Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024. Cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. You know, this game should have never gotten to as close as it did, um, but uh, we let him back in. But I thought he played outstanding. His leadership on the sidelines was, was great. And... Uh, Put us in the right play, a number of different audibles, and uh, played really, really well. Execution was a little bit better. Um, I think we still are a long ways from where we need to be. So it was, uh, I think we have the ability to make plays. I think consistency, dependability are going to be things that we really need. So um, got to get back to work. And uh, the clock's ticking on next week. So going to get folks on next week's game and try to be a lot better next week. Who had a dark brown hair at age 43? That avocado ice cream really must do the trick there, Chris. And it seems to be getting darker. Anyway, that was Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. I mean, what? I mean, what? Is it taboo? I mean, come on. Let's drop the vanity, man. Look, I got gray hair. You Look, you, your hair's going to turn gray unless your hair's the color of Chris's and then you're not going to notice the damn right. grays. there's grays in the there. Same color as the hair he already has. Right. But come on, man, don't. I mean, of all the people in the world who should not be vain, the guy with the supermodel wife and the six Super Bowl rings, he could shave his head. He could walk. He could drape himself in Velcro oh, or yeah, whatever right. the word. But wear is. underwear on uh, his head, and we'd still be like, "You're the he man." He do whatever he wants. <laughs> no. Do whatever you want, Tom. Who cares if you got some gray hairs for crying out loud? All right, uh, I wouldn't have said anything if it isn't noticeably getting darker. You wouldn't know, have said anything if you weren't Mike Florio, but damn it, maybe, you are him, and that's what you do. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> kiss ass? Know. I'm not going to kiss ass. You know that. I mean, it's like his hair's getting a suntan, maybe from being in Florida. Anyway, uh, time for the. It's PFT Live, by the way. We're resetting the hour. We're on Peacock, Sirius XM 211, on NBCSN, re-air. We're back. Tour de France is over. And also Sky Sports at some point before kickoff of the Raiders-Saints game on Monday Night Football. First game ever in Las Vegas for the Raiders. I think it's probably the first NFL game ever played in Las Vegas. So it's time to hand out the awards. I, well, I first off, I just lost you. Can you hear me? All right, because I can't hear you. I hear right you now. fine. Okay, you good. There it goes. All right, good. It glitched out for a second. I got really scared there. Okay, here we go. My first one. I, I'm going to try not to hit the Patriots, Seahawks, or Cowboys game, right, Mike? Just because we talked about them. Uh, we haven't hit this one yet. That's the Chris. How many years have we been doing this? Right. How many years have we been doing three? This? Yeah. Maybe we three? try to we try to plow new ground. Thank you. Okay. Let's talk about things we haven't talked about yet. The McGenius Award. For the Sean McVay Award, because right now, Sean McVay, I mean, he is McGenius, you know, for what he's done the first two weeks. I look at him and go, the Rams are 2-0, and and I know we always give the head coach a lot of credit, but he deserves even more credit. Just for his offense, what he's doing right now, the pace in which they're playing, and the way they went in to Philadelphia yesterday, where really dominated the football game, fumbled a punt return late in the first half that let kind of Philadelphia back in the game, but then kind of found their way to put their foot back on their throat and suffocate them once again. I mean, McVay and just the formula in which he's got on the offensive side of the ball right now with all the bootlegs, the play actions, the screens, 
staying tough to the run game and everything like that. How can you not be impressed with the Rams after two weeks just whooping up on two NFC East opponents? Yeah, one of the things I was most wrong about going into this season was that the Rams were in decline. And I looked at all the departures, and they pushed out Wade Phillips and Todd Gurley. That was a mistake. Brandon Cooks gets dumped. Uh, Dante Fowler gone via free agency. And, and, you know, not that he was a huge piece, but it just felt like they were in decline. Yeah, sure. It felt like they were taking a step back. And maybe they did, but they've taken a step forward very, very quickly. So I agree with you on that. And also, let's remember this. They've only played teams from the NFC East. Yep. Maybe when they play some other teams, like, I don't know, the teams in their own division, that could change. The first one for me, and I want to get this out of the way now because it doesn't directly relate to the games, but it does. This is the Cone of Silence Award, and it goes to the National Football League for two things. For two things. First of all, somehow, some way, the executive VP of officiating, Al Riveron, was not in the building last week. The guy who's in charge of replay review was recovering from COVID-19. And somehow, none of the teams were told, oh, by the way, the guy who's chiefly responsible for replay review isn't here today. He's, he's off this week, even if you don't want to get into the reasons why. The idea that no one knew that Al Riveron was out for week one is astounding to me, that they kept it quiet, and, uh, and I'm surprised they even said anything a week later. Yeah, I am Hell, too. You, you, you've escaped. It's the equivalent of escaping prison and looking back and getting shot. Just let it go. Why, why let anyone know that, that, that uh, he wasn't there? Just keep moving forward. So that amazed me. And secondly, this one is more substantive and I think problematic. It was reported yesterday by NFL media, and I think this was based on direct quotes from Walt Anderson, who's involved in supervising officials now, that – the officials have been instructed to focus only on clear and obvious fouls this year. Okay, that's fine. Good. Hey, perfect. Fans don't want to see a bunch of flags. Great. People have been complaining about that for years. Let's not have ticky-tack fouls. Excellent. Perfect. Well done. Bravo. But don't you think you should tell the teams about it? Like, I don't know, at some point before the season begins? We always talk about points of emphasis and new rules. It goes into coaching. How do you coach your team up and get them ready if you don't know there's been a dramatic change in the focus on when a flag is going to be thrown? I mean, I'd like to think that any coach worth his salt is going to take the time to explain to his players, hey, you know what? Maybe we can get away with a little, you know, a little grab. Well, maybe that's why they didn't do it. Well, but, but they should. Then yeah. why say it now? Right? Why say it in week two? Well, maybe because stupid. they got complaints through the league and through players and coaches. I mean, I think there was a lot of games last week where we walked away and went, man, they let them play. There wasn't many flags thrown. So maybe well, there was complaints from coaches about that. That's why they let it out. I don't know. Well, or, 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 but look, I, I, I don't know. I know but, what you're – But, you know, yeah. they're committed – I think they're committed this year to saying that all is well with the officiating even when it's not. That was the aftermath of the Michael Gallup OPI call. I mean, it was right, it was right, it was right. And, and they're not finding Mike McCarthy for saying it was wrong. Why? Because then it's another news cycle of us pointing out that maybe it wasn't right. And right. I think that with all the other challenges they're facing, the last thing they want is a boiling pot of officiating concerns. So let's just, let's just keep it on the back burner. But my, my, my broader point is, if you are going to make that kind of a dramatic change in the focus of when a flag is going to come out, you need to tell the teams ASAP so they can factor that in to how they coach their players within the confines of the rules. It's that simple. If the trigger changes for when a flag is going to come out, that's fair and appropriate information for the teams to have. And now, hey, at least they know a couple of weeks in, but they should have known before the season started. Yeah. All right, Chris, I what hear do you got? All right. Night of the Living Dead Award. I mean, the Never Say Die Award. I mean, you know where I'm going here. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Get Mahomes down by 10, and you know what? You're guaranteed to lose. I mean, it, it, that's where we're at in their career. That's where we are. He's undefeated, I believe. One down by 10 points or more. That's just, it's, Six straight wins. That, it's just amazing, too. And again, yesterday... Just just not able to get anything going, but their ability to step on the gas at the moment they need it and just always deliver is mind-boggling. It really is. You know, coming up with big plays, whether it's his bomb, you know, sprinting out to the right for a touchdown to Tyree Kill, the kicker kicking three 58-yard field goals in a row before finally one of them counted. I mean, just amazing that way. Uh, 
and and even the defense coming up with a big play. Now, it was a stupid play, and I want to hit on that too. Justin Herbert was phenomenal for the Los Angeles Chargers, and I feel bad for Tyrod Taylor. I really do. That's a tough situation. But, man, I mean, it, it, that looked like, uh, you know, it's the Baker Mayfield story part two. Like, Tyrod gets hurt. Here comes the guy that was the top one of the top picks. He comes in. Whoa, he looks good. I don't know if you're going to ever get back in there again. And Herbert, other than that that interception up 17-9, to nine, throws a dumb interception on second and third. He could have ran for a first down. He was really played a clean game. But the focus is, again, I, I want to go back to the Chiefs and just ice water in the veins. I've never seen anything like it. Nothing seems to phase them. And I never see nervousness in Patrick Mahomes' eyes. I just – I never see it. I, I, I thought maybe I was seeing it at the end of the Super Bowl last year, but I'm, he just – he continues to amaze me. Uh, and, and he's – This is the flip side of the Falcons, yeah, though. I it mean, is. You're you know, right. If you blow enough leads, you start thinking this is the way it goes. If you keep coming back from double-digit deficits, you believe this is the way it goes. And what happens is – the opponents start believing it too. Sure. You know, when, when Tony Romo had that reputation for always making a big mistake in a big spot, and that lasted for a while until he reversed it, I remember Heinz Ward telling me there was a game the Steelers had with the Cowboys where you, you just could sense it on the sideline. Here it comes. Here it comes. And I think that if you have enough guys who are feeling that vibe, you know how that the momentum swings sure. go and just the sense you get in a stadium. With the Chiefs now, the sense is – no lead is safe, and it's just a matter of time before they do whatever it is they're going to do to come back and get you. Yeah, pretty much. I, what's scary about the Chiefs is I, they, they haven't even played great football, even at the end of last year to now, and they still can't be beat. And I think that's why the rest of football should be really scared because I just, again, I think if they get all cylinders go and all systems go here – just watch out because I still think they're kind of figuring it out their way on both sides of the ball a little bit, and that's what's scary for the rest of the NFL. So basically you're saying Patrick Mahomes is a zombie. Yeah, pretty much. He's uh, You can't kill him. He never dies. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay, uh, next one for me. This is the Off-Broadway Award. Uh, you know how, like, you know, the, the, it's, it's always the lesser show. I got you, yeah. Maybe. You know, right. you know how that works. Yeah. Kyler Murray is the star of the off-Broadway like production this year, yeah. without question, right? Nothing he can do is going to register with anyone. And, and it's in part because of their schedule. I have their schedule pulled up here somewhere. Here it is. I mean, they've got, they've got the Lions this week. No one's going to pay attention to Cardinals-Lions. They've got the Panthers the next week. No one's going to pay attention to Cardinals-Panthers. They've got the Jets, for crying out loud, the week after that. Who cares? It's not until week six that the show goes to Broadway when they play the Cowboys in primetime on Monday Night Football. And then the next week they have the Seahawks, right? But yeah. the starting time, Chris... It's 4.05 p.m. Eastern. It's regional broadcast. It's not even in the 4.25 p.m. window. And it's going to potentially be undefeated Cardinals against undefeated Seahawks and the two most exciting quarterbacks in 2020 in football. And the thing about Kyler Murray, you know, you look at Russell Wilson's play and his numbers, and it's like, wow. Kyler Murray's numbers don't match his play. So it's not even something that casual fans are going to notice if they're looking at the stats, I mean, his passer rating is actually down this year over what it was last year, but he is nothing short of spectacular. And it's amazing to me. And it's going to keep him from being considered for MVP. It already feels like they're just going to hand it to Russell Wilson this year. Not that. Yeah. They're it's not, not handing deserved. him anything. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 But, but it's like, it's the lifetime achievement award. Oh, and by the way, you're earning it. But Kyler Murray's not going to have a chance, not with Russell Wilson around and not with all these games that are played in these windows that nobody's caring about the game. They're not seeing yeah. the game. They're against opponents that aren't compelling. But he does get two cracks at the Seahawks coming up after that Monday night debut against the Cowboys. Well, I mean, I mean, you're right. We need to talk about him here regardless. And if they start to go, if they go to 3-0 and and 4-0 and and 5-0, and They'll start. To, he'll start to get the attention he deserves. But you're right. It's going to take longer than it probably will in most cities or with most quarterbacks that are in that situation, uh, whatever that may be. But he's a special talent. I mean, it's the second week in a row we saw, you know, Mighty Mouse or whatever you want to call him, the front four kryptonite, two of the best front fours we've seen in football, just get basically 
not be a part of the football game, don't get to establish their dominance because of Kyler Murray. I mean, he did it to the 49ers last week and then yesterday with Washington. Defensive line's the story of week one. Washington, their ability to get after Carson Wentz. Yesterday, it's not a story at all. I mean, it, there's nothing to it. And that's because of him. And you're right, Mike. The stats don't tell you the story here and the value he has to his football team and everything about that. Unfortunately, in the NFL, more times than not, you got to have like a great year before everybody starts to take notice and then take you legitimate. And it seems like it's setting up that way for Kyler Murray. But man, is he he's fun to watch. Um, Here's the big difference. He's yeah, running ahead. the ball a lot more. Last year, he had 544 rushing yards in 16 games. This year, he's got 158 in two games, three touchdowns in two games. He had four all of last year rushing. He's on pace, and it's only two games, but it's 79 yards a game. It's pace for 1,264, which would be the single-season quarterback record, breaking the record set last year by Lamar Jackson. But that's the key. He's running more this year, which makes him – more fun to watch, more yeah. spectacular, and more impactful. Yeah, he seems to be just be more comfortable. He has a no, he has the right like feel of when to leave the pocket, when to you know when, when to hang in there, when to maybe just stay back there and buy a little time to extend it. He's got he's he's very mature and wise for a young football player. Amazed, and him and Cliff Kingsbury they deserve a lot of credit. All right, um, I'm giving uh, the dead award, okay, as in D E A D dead. To your Minnesota Vikings. See ya. See ya next year. We'll see you in 2021. I'm putting a fork in them. I don't know how we can look at them right now and sit there and just go, oh, they're going to rebound. Now, I know they got a few good football players, definitely, and Mike Zimmer, and they got pride, and they're not going to go down easy. But I don't Do they? know. I don't. Based on yesterday? Well, you're right. Yesterday was a sorry look. And all around, I don't even know where to start. But, yes, I mean, I think I could sit here legitimately after week two and go, Minnesota Vikings playoffs, no chance this year. None. I mean, they're a team that has really lost their way here. Offensively, yeah, you're seeing no Stefan Diggs. Maybe Stefanski was a little better than we gave him credit for there, calling plays on the offensive side of the ball. And the turnover on the defensive side is just it, it's too much to overcome for them to still be dominant. So that was an ugly look yesterday. And they were severely outplayed, and Kirk Cousins was reeling. And and I I feel he's not good. Don't get me wrong, right now. But from what I saw on film last week, and what I see this week too, you know, just on TV yesterday, it, there, it's not like he's missing plays. It's not like there's people wide open. It's like he's playing horrible. You know, they got issues all together on their offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I agree with you completely. One of my favorite stats of the day, Stephon Diggs, the former Vikings receiver now with the Bills, had more receiving yards than the Vikings had total passing yards Yikes. yesterday. Ow. And, and Chris, you know my theory on this. I know. I hate There's something this to theory it. to be proven right. But they beat the Saints in a playoff game that could have gone either way. The Wilfs start handing out financial rewards because of it to Kirk Cousins, to Mike Zimmer to Rick Spielman, and eventually to Dalvin Cook. And this whole pandemic thing, you know, this pandemic, there are all sorts of things you can rely on at some point as crutches and excuses in football. Usually it's injuries, and that's why the Patriots are the kings of no excuses for injuries. They expect the next man up to perform at the same level as the guy he's replacing, even though that guy was at a lower level for a reason. No excuses. We're not going to get... We're not going to get down in the mouth. We're not going to feel sorry for ourselves. We're not going to say, well, wait till next year. I feel like the pandemic, the fact that the Vikings can't have fans there and can't have a true home field advantage, something Mike Zimmer has publicly complained about, I think that when you throw in the financial security that's been given to all those key figures, they're on scholarship this year. This year doesn't matter. This isn't real. This is 2020. And if we go 2-14, and 14, so be it. And I just, I even though no one's going to say it, and they're probably going to get pissed off if I keep saying it enough, and maybe I'm trying, I don't know that I'm trying to, I'm just stating facts. I don't care at this point. This is about what is happening in front of our eyes. And it is a team that that got sad. I don't know. They, I don't know. Where, where, where's the fire? Where's the fight? Where's the, where's Kirk? Yeah, there's no attitude or edge to the where team. Where is it? Yeah. Where I, is it? I don't know. I don't know what to uh, say, but you're right. Some sort yeah. of magic or continuity with the team 
have certainly been lost, and they're going to have to find their way. Or yeah, they're in trouble. I mean, they they really are. My advice was at the time after they got after they got humbled by the 49ers, don't give anyone an extension. Don't do it. Make them all play. You did. You said it on TV for their next I, contract. I'm here for and you. It's a, yep quote-unquote good problem to have if you go to the Super Bowl or get closer to the Super Bowl or have a special season with all these guys chasing their contracts. You give them a contract when they got bounced from the round of eight with a performance where it was over by the, well, it was really in the third quarter when it was over, close at halftime. But once the 49ers flipped to run, 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 the Vikings got blown off the field, and you reward guys for that? And and it just, it's, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but... Hey, there's got to be accountability even in a year that feels like there should be no accountability because the world's turned upside down. There's plenty of other teams kicking ass, and the Vikings are going to be the team that's on the wrong side of the ass kicking more often than not this year. Yeah, I, it does seem that way, and they got a tough little schedule ahead of them too. I mean, they got the Titans, the Seahawks coming up here shortly, the Texans who are not – nothing's going to be easy. You're right. I mean, you don't, you can't look at the, your Minnesota Vikings right now and look at them and go, Stop oh. it. <laughs> All right, what else? You got another one? No, I'm throwing it back to you. Do you got one or is no, that, that me? Was no, that was mine. Me. You I were got ranting one. about my own thing, you know? I, 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 I got a couple you... of others. Go ahead. Give I got a couple others. Here's one. I got a Sean Taylor Award. I mentioned this last night in the tapings that we did in the third quarter, but I want to make sure that our audience this morning appreciates it. The hit that Justin Herbert put on the Chiefs linebacker oh my it reminded gosh. me of the Sean Taylor hit on Brian Mormon. I've never seen a quarterback <laughs> hit someone like that. Was that Talk unbelievable? About, I mean, He's the one who's supposed to be getting the welcome to the NFL moment, not delivering the welcome to the NFL moment. What? What? what, what I, I don't even know what player that was yet uh, that he that ran into him and concussed themselves. And I don't mean to laugh because I know that's not that's not a, like a, 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 a laughing matter. But Herbert, that's the thing. I mean, we talked about the Chiefs a little bit. First off, you see the size of that sucker out there. He's he looks like Cam Newton almost in his uniform. I mean, he really does. He's impressive looking. He can throw the ball with ease, and we saw his speed and ability to make plays with his legs. And, man, collision on the right sideline, he barely lowers his head, and whoever that is that comes in to hit him is coming in like just 100 miles per hour. But I, I think he was probably surprised with how big of a man this guy is. He really is. And I don't know, Mike. We'll see where that goes. I know uh, Anthony Lynn said Tyrod Taylor is going to be the starter when back healthy and things. But I have a feeling that that's going to be one of those things where the owner and the GM and everybody's going to watch the film of the game today and go, wait, why? Why are we going to put Tyrod Taylor back in? We can play well, this. Now that we know. Yeah. Go ahead. We know we know the full story on Tyrod Taylor. It could be that Anthony Lynn didn't want to disrespect Tyrod Taylor so. at the time when he's at the hospital. He had chest pains before the game. He was on the injury report Oof. Friday with a rib problem, and he fully participated in practice. But in pregame warm-ups, he started developing chest pains. They took him to the hospital. I mean, it doesn't matter how old you are. You start having chest pains. It could be a sign you're having a heart attack. They take him to the hospital to get checked out. He was discharged last night. Anthony Lynn said after the game repeatedly that when Tyrod Taylor is healthy, he will be the starter but look, none of that's binding. None of it's binding. How many times have we heard a coach say something like that and later circumstances change? Or we're not quite sure what's wrong with Tyrod, so he's not healthy, so we're going to keep playing Justin Herbert. i got to give this kid credit. Chris, assuming that the story is true, and I have yeah. no reason to no. disbelieve it, this guy's just minding his own business, and he finds out right before kickoff, you're playing. Like, literally, I mean, at least, they're lining yeah, up for least, the kickoff. While the game's happening, you know there's a chance on any given play you get you get pulled onto the field. That's part of being a backup. But to find out right before the game starts, you're the guy. Holy crap. And to respond the way he did, there's something there. And, and there's going to be fan pressure to the extent they have any fans. Uh, and so there may be no pressure at all in that regard. I, I said yesterday they're the only team that actually gains an advantage by not having fans in the <laughs> yeah. stands because there would have been a bunch of Chiefs fans there yesterday. But, uh, yeah, I, th I think that it was out of respect to Tyrod you're Taylor. You're probably right. That you're not going to change starters there. Because you can always say we went back and looked at the film and we were blown away by what we saw. Yeah, exactly. And we made this draft pick for the future, but we can't deny the reality after seeing how he performed against the Chiefs defense that the future is now. It's very easy if that's what they want to do. Yeah, he's got superstar talent. Mike, he was, you know, as you know, my number two quarterback coming out in the draft this year. And 
always, from the very start, said his ceiling is higher than any quarterback in the draft. It's higher than Joe Burrow. He is physically special as far as the things he can do on the football field, and we saw that a little yesterday. Made the one rookie mistake, but other than that, played really awesome and, like you said, like an unbelievably uh, tough environment. All right. I mean, you know, we always talk about, like, you know, your parents, do they trust you with, like, the, you know, the new hot rod, the, the luxury car, or whatever. Hey, kid, this is my car, you know, Keys to the new car award. I'm going. You know where I'm going. Josh Allen. I mean, I'm surprised it took you this I, long. I, yep, I couldn't help it. I mean, we've gone 23 minutes in the eight o'clock segment here, and we haven't talked about maybe the guy who might be the MVP of football other than Russell Wilson through two weeks. I mean, Josh Allen again yesterday. Forget the stats, which are mind-boggling, and the way he's playing right now is mind-boggling. The thing that jumps out to me, and I know we talked about it a little last night, is they're trusting him with the game. And I think that just says so so much to me in so many ways. Because Sean McDermott, he's a defensive coach. He wants to control the game, run the ball, play defense. I'm sure it's not easy for him to go at a guy like Josh Allen who's got a little of that Brett Favre, Patrick Mahomes, gunslinger-type attitude in him. But he has reined it in this year. I mean, I, through two weeks, and I didn't watch the film yesterday, I, I've only seen like one, mis one mistake as far as just like, oh, why did you throw it there? Everything has been good decisions, accurate throws, big time throws down the down the field, and up 24 to 20 with three minutes left, and have a second and nine, and to call an aggressive deep throw, and he throws a 46-yard touchdown pass to John Brad. I think that just said it all to me. That's where I went. Oh, he's in the trust tree. He's in the circle of trust, as Robert De Niro said. He's there because. For them to call that type of play in that moment with the game in the balance and everything like that, I think that shows you that they've trusted his work ethic, what he's seeing on the field, and then, of course, what he's, how he's delivering on the field as well. Yeah, I think you're right. And, uh, you know, it's a shame Russell Wilson's doing what he's doing or Josh Allen would be getting some right? MVP buzz early on. They keep winning. Hey, he's going to have two head-to-head -head contests against Cam Newton. That's the way oh, that Josh man. Allen can get some attention like – Russell Wilson did yesterday. You show up big in that spot against the Patriots and Cam Newton, people are going to start taking notice. People took notice yesterday. One more before we go, the what the hell is Brett Favre doing here award. <laughs> what the hell was Brett Favre doing at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game wearing a Tom Brady t-shirt? And it's just a few days after Favre was on radio saying that Bruce Arians is barking up the wrong tree by calling out Tom Brady publicly. I just thought it was kind of a neat moment to see. Somebody sent me the link and just jarring. First of all, seeing anybody at the game at all. And here's Brett Favre with his Tom Brady in the Buccaneer logo, the old uh, the old logo. What what did they call that guy? Bucky the Bruce. The the, Bucko Bruce. Bucko, yeah. Bucko Bruce. How did I how did I forget that? Yeah, he's got he's got a he's got what, a, what, a, did, a knife. Maybe his, did Tom pay He's winking at you. Look at There look it is. That. That's amazing. He didn't have the he didn't have the knife in his mouth, though. He needs the scabbard. Is it a scabbard? That's a amazing. nice mask, by the way, Brett. Well, uh, oh, well, yeah, well, he's and he's, he's, he's got enough red on his face. He's like Bruce Arians. He's trying to match the uh, face of Bucko. Maybe Tom invited him <laughs> for inviting him. He's like, hey, get get behind Bruce Arians when we're on the field and heckle him. Tell him to shut up and stop heckling me as a quarterback. I mean, it is. It is. I, I thought that was weird, too. I, I really did. But uh, nonetheless, that's the ultimate. Cool. If, if that happened, that's the <laughs> ultimate passive aggressive move by Tom Brady, the Hall of Fame quarterback who calls out Bruce Arians for calling out Tom Brady, gets invited by Tom Brady to come to the game and shows up in a Tom Brady shirt. And even though Tom Brady's never going to say it bothered him what Bruce Arians did last week, there's a chance that all the evidence we need is what the hell is Brett Favre doing here? Seriously. And that tells us that at some level, that was Tom Brady's middle finger to Bruce Arians. At least I'd like to think that. It makes it more fun that way. All right, uh, let's take a break. When we return, I've, I've got a notebook to empty. I've got the whole... I had four conversations yesterday. I got sta I found a stapler so I can keep my papers together. I'm actually organized this year. We're going to empty the notebook. Buy a notebook. I mean, right how about you actually buy a notebook? Because they're biased against left-handers because the spirals are on the left side. I'm a left-hander, and I got break mine. Yet? I'm good. I'm have good. we gone to break? I yeah, well, we you, you get ink all over I your hand. I don't know if we did or not. Have we gone to break? No. No, we're going to break now. We'll be right back <laughs> with my notebook. Get a notebook. Which is a notebook. <laughs> 
Every Wednesday on Peacock, the NBC Sports Channel begins with P- PFT live at 7 a.m. Eastern. Then Dan Patrick Rich has a brother from another at 3 Eastern. Then PFT PM wraps up the day. Shereen Williams will join me later today. We'll talk Monday Night Football, plus anything else that happens throughout the course of the day. And there'll be plenty of injury news to update as we get to 5 p.m. Eastern. All right. So one of the things I try to do on Sundays while we're in the middle of a blender, watching games and chasing information and otherwise preparing for Football Night in America, try to get three to five guys on the phone to talk about the game that was, and uh, I take some notes, and I I use the notes as the basis for the stuff that I say during Football Night in America, and I'll write some stories about it at PFT, and it gives us a little content here. Aaron Jones, how about this guy? 236 yards from scrimmage yesterday, three touchdowns. He had no idea what kind of day he was having until the game was over. He joked, I need to go call my agent because – He's one of the top running backs who's in year four now, who has yet to get his contract. Chris, where would you put him? I'll start right there. Yeah. With the likes of Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook. He said that he's almost on the same level as them. I don't know. I'd say after yesterday, he's on a higher level than them. Well, I mean, I I think he's in that conversation. I I think with running backs, I put three, I, I believe, in maybe a little bit of a higher class than their own right now. With McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, and Nick Chubb, I think those three are the guys I look at and go that they stand alone for me right now. Now is a little bit of a conversation of beauty in the eye of the beholder of that next group of what you like. But I think he's in that conversation of like flirting with the top five, right? I, I do. He's special. He's a home run hitter. And for the modern day NFL with the way he catches the ball out of the backfield. And then like we saw yesterday, you give him a crease and he's got speed to go 80 to the house. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. Mike, do you, do you agree with what I'm saying there? I'm just curious. Have you finalized your list no. of 15 top five running backs? No, but that, that's the problem. That is, it's like the receivers, you know, you do the receivers. There's 20 top 10 receivers. And with running backs, there is legitimately 10 running backs where you can go. I can make a case to say they're top five. I really can. And I think he is one of those guys there that's anywhere from four to 10. You, you could argue, depending on who it is and what kind of running back you like to fit your offense or what kind of style of runner you like. I asked him at one point if this Packers team is better than last year's because their draft strategy and their free agent strategy created the impression that maybe they were taking a step back. Instead of trying to finish the job, they're thinking about the future. They're thinking about maybe an offense that would be more premised on the run like the 49ers, the team that steamrolled them in the NFC Championship game. If you can't beat them, join them. Aaron Jones said he thinks the team is definitely better than it was last year, that the offensive players know the system better. Year two of the Matt LaFleur offense, and they all feel more comfortable. They understand the nuances, the concepts, the purposes, the plays, what they're trying to do. And I asked him if Aaron Rodgers is any different this year. He said he's more focused, and that led me to the Aaron Rodgers revenge tour question. And uh, he said, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's because he's salty that they drafted a first-round quarterback he just knows how close they got last year and this year the goal is to push it over the top so um you know we'll we'll see we'll see but uh whatever the motivation is wherever it's coming from this Packers team does seem better right than it was last year and when you look around the NFC I, I don't know who's going to emerge from the west but it could be the Seahawks ultimately are the toughest opponent and the biggest barrier this year for the Packers is they keep playing like they are now. Well, yeah, I think like after two weeks, right? Are we gonna? I think we'd sit here and if you ask me the teams, the two best teams in the NFC right now after two weeks, I'm gonna pick the Seahawks and the Packers, right? I mean, are, are you? Or Which one first? Which one? I, Packers scored 85 points. I know. Ooh. I mm, I don't know. I. I'd probably go with the Seahawks right now, just with a little edge. But I don't know. I don't feel necessarily comfortable about that. You know, the Packers. Two things have jumped out to me. You know, first off, yes, it, it's another year in the Mike Pettin system, too. So they've figured that out and, like, creative ways to get pick sixes and all that. Rashawn Gary, their first-round pick from 2019, he's infused himself into the lineup more. So now when you got Preston Smith, Darius Smith, Rashawn Gary, you got three guys that can get after the quarterback. So that's, like, been a big jump to their football team. And then offensively, the big thing that's jumped out to me, and especially just on film last week and, again, just watching on TV yesterday, Rodgers and the offense are more aggressive. They're more aggressive with the play calls, and Rodgers has been really 
if I had to say a negative about him last year, and you heard me say this a few times, where every now and then he got in that spat with Lafleur that we talked about early last year in week three or four, where there was an open receiver, open by NFL means, which is not like wide open, but you go, wait, you're Aaron Rodgers. I've seen you hit the bullseye more than any quarterback in the history of my life. Throw a laser in there, he's open. And he wouldn't throw it, and I feel like he's gotten over that. What I've seen in the first two weeks is first read open, even though if not by a lot, he's not looking for, oh, wait, can I find something better or sexier? He's taking that, and then with LaFleur being more aggressive, they got a good formula working right now, especially with Aaron Jones and that run game coming along too. The Packers will have opportunities to show how they measure up to the best teams in the NFC yeah. starting Sunday night at the Saints. Talk about a great Sunday night football game Yeah, early on. My goodness, Packers at Saints, are you kidding me? Especially if the Saints win tonight to move to 2-0. and Then it's a Monday night game against the Falcons at home. They have an early bye in week five. Coming out of the bye, it's Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the Green Bay Packers. So, look, their schedule isn't all that difficult. They don't play the Bears until week 12, and who knows where the Bears will be then. They're 2-0 and right now which is a stunner. Mitchell Trubisky, another guy that I spoke to yesterday. Yeah. And, Chris, I've interviewed him before. I think we've had him on the program before. I've talked to him before he was drafted. This was about the third, fourth, fifth time I've interviewed Mitchell Trubisky. There's something different about him now. And everybody matures as they get older. It, it's, maybe it's a little of that, but it's, there's a confidence. There's a self-assuredness in the way that he speaks. Right. And... And, and I, I asked him when the moment was in the offseason when, when he decided that, that he's going to basically go for it, that he's going to go all in and bet on himself. And he said that in the early days of the pandemic, when free agency went forward and the Bears traded for Nick Foles, that was when he self-reflected, or as we would say self-reflected on himself, the, on, on what he wants to be, on what he wants his NFL career to be on what he wants his career in Chicago to be. And he became determined at that point to put in the work, put in the effort, and prove to everyone, specifically his teammates and his coaches, that he's the best option. And he went about his business. And, you know, that when, when they didn't pick up the option, that was just more fuel to the fire. And he told me that all throughout training camp, he had no idea that he was winning. He didn't even care that he was in position. He was just doing what he had to do. They were getting equal reps. And it wasn't until the afternoon that the news got out that he'd won the job that he knew that even had an inkling. He said, I wasn't worried about it. There's nothing, I can't control it. Right. I'm focusing on what I can control and I'll wait until they tell me what they want me to do. And, and you know, look, has he been perfect the first two weeks? No, but they've won. Yes, they have. And he made uh, plays there's something yesterday. to be said for that. Yeah. There, there's some, that's right. He, he's making plays when he has to. Right. And, uh, you know, they, they came back from 17 down. They tried to blow the lead yesterday, but at the end of the day, they, they got it done. And let me tell you this too about Nick Foles, because we thought Nick Foles was brought in because he knows the offense, and right. that had a lot to do with it, and it gave him a built-in edge. But what Trubisky said is that Foles, because of all the other offenses he's been a part of, he's bringing to the table yeah, sure. all these things he's picked up elsewhere, and he's making their offense better. And the way Trubisky put it is he defends the quarterback position in that he's doing what he can to make the quarterback in that offense on that team as good as it can be, even if he's not that quarterback. Yeah. And it's like part coach, part player. But he went on and on about what Nick Foles has done. And uh, I think he was the perfect guy to bring in because, hey, maybe he wins the job. Fine. If he doesn't, though, he's not going to be resentful. He's not going to be petty. He's not going to be trying to sabotage anything. He's going to try to make Mitchell Trubisky into the best quarterback he possibly can be. Yeah, I, I mean, you're right. We've heard this over and over from Nick Foles. And when you get a quarterback, a veteran quarterback like that, plus a, a head coach or a play caller that's willing to listen to ideas and things like that, man, that is awesome. And especially when you're the starter, because not only are you sitting there listening to these conversations and you're, you're learning football, but, you know, we've talked about this other times. Sometimes you don't know what you don't know in the NFL. You know, I, I talk to some quarterbacks and they just go, I don't understand well, how is New England getting that guy open all the time? I see them run this play and, you know, you want to sit there and explain it. Well, they're coaching something different than what you're, you're, you're not, your, your team's not coaching it the right way. Sorry, that's, that's why. Uh, so that, that's the interesting thing there. And yeah, you know, there comes a time as a player, Mike, I just will just to my own life and I've seen it with my father where you just, 
you kind of get boxed in the corner of your career and you're going, uh-oh, like where was I going here? And you just, for lack of a better pra- uh, phrase, just say F it. Like F it. Screw everybody. I'm going to – I, I want to play football. I want to be great. The hell with the media. The hell with my head coach who might want to replace me. I'm like, I've just had enough of it. And uh, there's that point where you hit as an athlete or a competitor where all of a sudden it just – all the noise can go away and you just start to focus on what's, you know, what's really important, and that's when you can take off as a player. Thank you very much for self-editing. No problem. There. It's you Peacock. Aren't I allowed to say F words and stuff yet? <laughs> no, no, we've established that. We've established that. Oh. And also, we're back on NBCSN today, so oh, you're definitely right. not allowed to. Although it's the re-air, I'd like to think they would bleep it out if that happened. Wouldn't be the first time they've had to bleep something out that you said for the re <laughs> It's been a while. Real quickly, but we got to take a break. Yeah. But, but Jordan Reed, the 49ers tight end, uh, saving the day yesterday with a couple of touchdown catches. He, he was done. He told me that he – I talked to him also. He thought about moving on. He saw the 49ers playoff run. And he's got the connection to Kyle Shanahan from the time they were together in Washington. That inspired him to keep going, and it's worked out well for Jordan Reed. Yeah, good for him. They need behind George Kittle. All right, Sunday surprise draft when this Monday edition of PFT Live continues right after. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait but marines will always be there they are the constant in the chaos no matter the battlefield marines adapt to win defeating every shifting threat protecting our nation's future the few the proud the marines price drop time to shop get to a nordstrom rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I've been telling them uh, until, we can't stop win, start winning until we stop losing. And right now we are doing things to beat ourselves with the turnovers and sacks and and uh, safeties and you know penalties on third downs on defense. And so uh, you know I'm just not going to deal with it anymore. Cool. I'm hard on Tom. Tom hard on me. You know I, I, uh, he expect a lot on me. I expect a lot of his ass. He's a six-time Super Bowl, so I expect a lot of him. Just know that. And uh, it's coming together. We still we still new. You know, we're still figuring each other out right now. What did you make of what Josh did? I mean, I know you guys got a ton of confidence in him, but to see him throw for 404 TDs, he hasn't Jeez. done that. Yet. <laughs> hey, Jay. I didn't even know he did that. Oh, some of the guys who won and some of the guys who lost on the second Sunday of the 2020 NFL season. Uh, Chris, Sunday surprise draft. They say, I'm asking you the question. I'm waiting for the question to be revealed. Here it is. Russell Wilson became the second quarterback to throw five touchdown passes against Bill Belichick's Patriots. Who was the other? Ooh, wow. Five touchdown passes against Bill Belichick's Patriots. I have no clue. It's going to be somebody obscure, but uh, I, I'll no, throw Peyton. No, no not it's not. At all. It's Peyton Manning. Not obscure at all. Nope, nope. Not obscure, but not Peyton Manning. Drew Brees, 2009. Oh, 2009. Mon- Monday night football game. Right. Remember that. That was, uh, yep. I can still remember Belichick on the sidelines with Brady and sa- sitting there uh, saying he can't get this team to play the way he wants it to. And that little first glimpse into Belichick behind the scenes. The, uh, the Sunday surprise draft is a little more difficult this week because most of the favorites won. So there wasn't really, even though the games were exciting, 
there wasn't something that wasn't all that unexpected, but I have to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, they one. took the Tennessee Titans all the way down to the wire and arguably could have won. There was a apparently a badly missed Jadavian Clowney offside call. I haven't seen that yet. That's something I'm going to look into after the after the the program that would have helped the Jaguars. But, you know, it took a, a long field goal from Steven Guskowski, who missed all those kicks on Monday night, to ultimately beat the Jaguars. But they fall behind, and they don't fold the tents. They keep coming. Down 10, down 14, we don't care. We keep going. And, and this team is too young to know that they should be freaked out in those moments. And, uh, you know, for, for all the criticism and all the suggestion they're tanking, even though they've lost, they're 1-1, one they beat the Colts, and that win over the Colts looks a hell of a lot better after what the Colts did to the Vikings yesterday, Chris. Yeah, no, it, it definitely does. And I think just even the way Jacksonville played all together, you're right, it makes me even think differently about their week one win. You're right, just all I look at it and go, oh, wait, wait, Jacksonville's better than maybe we gave them credit for. And even though I think they were outplayed in that week one game, again, they showed that they're, they're, they're able to stay competitive against anybody. And Gardner Minshew... You know, great job by him. I mean, had two two interception that kind of got him off on a bad start early and then had a ball where it got tipped to the line of scrimmage where he threw very low, uh, and I think Jeffrey Simmons got a hand on it and knocked it in the air. But certainly that was one of the surprises because I thought Tennessee had that game in control too at one point. I'm going to go with Leonard Fournette, somebody we just saw in that matchup. I mean, Leonard Fournette, I didn't know what to expect with him. I'm, You know, why did he get cut from Jacksonville? How did that happen? He's a guy that I've always believed in. You know that. I mean, I see his talent, but I started to wonder just after last week and, okay, they didn't get anything going. Man, maybe he's, there's something to him. Maybe he's not where he needs to be. But yesterday, I think he probably established himself as the new go-to running back for that Tampa Bay team. I mean, he's just a freak of nature. Again, you see the physicality in which he runs, and then he could be a guy that can put a game away. And it's not only surprising just to see him, but needed to see Tampa be able to run the ball effectively anyways. I think that's something we need to see. We know how good Brady is off of play action and all those type of things, and they stink at play action right now. So they're going to need that run game to help that out. Uh, but Fournette was a pleasant surprise yesterday. Yeah, I, I look, it's going to take time for him to get to where he ultimately can be. They didn't use him all that much in the first week. No, he had one nice right. run, but then he had some some losses. And it was just, look, it was the Saints. It was the Saints. It was their toughest game of the That's year. Right. And Fournette can only make that offense better as the season goes. I, I you know, this one, I got to explain it the right way because it's going to look strange. The Ravens beating the Texans the way they did kind of surprised me because – when you watch back the week one Ravens-Browns game, I had some concerns about whether or not the Ravens really were as good as we thought. As, you know, the 38-6 win, and we know how close it was, and it could have gone either way. For them to go to Houston and the Texans, a defending playoff team that had extra time to get ready, for Baltimore to be as dominant as they are, and that's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle by everything else that went on yesterday, I, I, I am surprised that this team has had no ill effects from going 14-2 last year and getting punched in the mouth in the playoffs. They seem to be exactly where they were last year, and they seem to be ready to start ripping through one after another. And it will be interesting to see whether they can avenge only uh, what was their second loss last year. They've won 14 in a row now. They had two regular season losses last year. The Chiefs were one. The Browns were the other. They get a shot at the Chiefs next Monday night. Yeah, that'll be fun to watch. It really will. That Baltimore in-your-face defense against you know Patrick Mahomes and that speed at receiver. Um, but Baltimore, the thing that jumps out to me to, to what you're saying here too is just that when they have their their foot on your throat, they they step down. They don't like let you like, hey, do you do you need to breathe a little bit more before we do it, or like you 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 want one more chance? It, they they close it out, and that's what you saw the last two weeks. And you know, week one they close it out with passing and Lamar Jackson being awesome that week. You know, and then yesterday it's it's just unbelievable run attack. And who do you stop? All right, here's my Sunday surprise. Um, analytics, I'm sick of them. Okay. And this is why, <laughs> all right? Because you brought me to this game. I wasn't going to do this for the draft, but this game, and then, of course. You're too young. You're too young to be telling the analytics guys to get off your lawn. Yeah, well, get off oh, my lawn. Oh, you are 40 now. Get off my lawn then, fine. But either way, okay, uh, analytics, 
you know, Mike McCarthy going for two down by nine. I don't know if that's analytics or not, or if that's just stupidity, all right? But that was stupid. I don't know any other way to say it. Down by nine, go for two. No, you kick the extra point and make it a one-score game. I mean, if they don't cover the onside kick, we are talking about Mike McCarthy for one of the two of the dumbest decisions we've seen in two weeks. Really? Okay, so then there's that. Also earlier in that game, Dan Quinn, 26 to 7. I didn't know like NFL coaches became oracles and they could tell the future of games and how many points will be needed exactly 45 minutes down the road or an hour and 45 minutes he down the road. He had an inkling. Yeah. He had an inkling he was going to need that point. No, he went for he lost that point. He was wrong. Right, if but he I'm kicked, saying yes. I know, but he had he had an, he was going for the two because he had a feeling that he wasn't going to hold his lead. Well, That's my he point. lost that one. That what is the game still tied? So you know, whoop de doo. And then I got to go to Bill O'Brien. Okay, I mean again, analytics. They're down three nothing. They're on their own thirty four yard line. It's fourth and one. I'm sure analytics said if you go for it, you have a ninety percent chance of winning the game. But did the analytics break down? that the Baltimore Ravens have the biggest, baddest mofos on the planet on the other side of the ball and a defensive coach that'll do crap. They, does it, how do they come up with that formula? So that made no sense, and that was the end of that game. That was, it was over right there. 3 nothing. you give Baltimore, here, here, Baltimore, here's a few plays to score a touchdown and just end it for us. And that was it. I just don't get it. I'm he, so sick of that. He, he, here's how I can explain it as quickly as possible because we still have one more round to yeah. go and we have limited time. We got time. 90 seconds. <laughs> We got 90 seconds, so we'll, we'll let's let's put a pin in that until airing of grievances. Okay. Next one for me. I was surprised to see so many coaches defying the mandate from the league office to wear your damn mask oh. over your mouth and your nose, Frank Reich. Your nose doesn't get an exemption. This is going to be an it, issue. As Joe Torre tweeted yesterday, if it fits over his nose, it fits over anyone's nose. <laughs> there's going to be some punishments handed out today, and I'm surprised so many coaches didn't comply. Yeah, you're you're probably right. It's a tough one. I know coaches are they're having a hard time communicating into those microphones, and it's become an issue. But it's not a good look. You're right, and they're going to lose some cash today. All right, uh, my other Sunday surprise is um, not touching the runner on the first play of the game and letting him run for 80 touch 80 yard touchdown. I mean, what? Raheem Mostert, toss right. Jets, they don't even touch him. Not a hand, nothing. Flag football, two-hand touch, touchdown, doesn't matter. That's, like, shocking in the NFL to see that. Didn't Matt Breida, didn't Matt Breida do the same thing last year against the Browns on Monday Night Football? Second game of the first, year. Exactly right. Right. I mean, yeah. in Mostert, last week, it was, like, the second drive of the game. He caught the 75-yard touchdown pass. Nobody touched him. It just, you, it's very rare you see that in football. That was an amazing way to start the game. Amazingly bad for uh, Matt Casey's Jets. Magic Johnson is ready to become an expert in analytics. High-level analysis of last night's game. Cam Newton came up short on the goal line. Thank you, Magic. Thanks, thanks for stopping by, Magic. Thanks, everyone else, for it. stopping by. We'll see you on Tuesday. Price drop. Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.